This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, welcome back to Politically Homeless. I'm here with you today on a pretty slow news day, really. Not much is happening. Um, Biden signed the CHIP Act, which is good. Going to bring bring some incentives to manufacturing of semiconductors and other various variety of chips. Domestic. That'll be good. That'll be good. Uh, apparently, some FBI agents raided Mar-a-Lago. So, that's weird. Interesting. Quite odd. We'll be having love to get got so fucking crazy. <laughs> the former president got raided by the FBI. You know, I can sum this segment up for you. We're going to go into it more in depth and cover some more stuff. But the fact of the matter is we just don't know that much right now, right? This could be about files. It could be about classified documents. It's very similar to Clinton in, in 2016, I believe. So... We don't know that much, but we'll 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 discuss it quite a bit. It's kind of a big day here. Um, wanted to wanted to discuss uh, Pelosi and Taiwan briefly here. I, I think this is really. I looked at that thing and I, I followed. I wanted to cover it so bad. I just know sometimes that I am not the person to do it, and everybody has an opinion, and nobody seems that well informed. And there are just things that we know that we know we don't know, right? Like what's going on there. Uh, it seemed like a little bit of a of an exaggeration. She seemed kind of like a wild card, but I have a hard time believing that was actually the case. I don't know. It's not, it's weird. It's a whole weird deal, but in all likelihood, she was over there just telling Taiwan to become part of China. She, she just rolls up and says one China motherfuckers. Let's go, but maybe not. Who knows? Who knows? I do want to bring this up though. Cause this came up uh, yesterday before we get into the whole Trump raid thing. Um, this this brand, this t-shirt or apparel brand, I guess, um, called Lions Not Sheep. Lions Not Sheep, founded by Sean Wallen. Um, I think is his name, I believe, pretty certain. Uh, he's blocked me and Lions Not Sheep has blocked me. And I don't know, I think they blocked me a while back. I just never noticed because I don't care. Um, <laughs> but these people. So what they were doing was they were getting shirts that were uh, manufactured, um, stitched, dyed, all that stuff in China. So they, all those t-shirts are coming from China. They were removing the made in China tags and then they were screen printing them here in the United States and saying that their shirts were American made, right? So zero transparency. It's not like, um, this, this brand that I, I really appreciate their American made kind of philosophy is called Kufaru. It's like a higher end, um, outdoor brand packs, tents, stuff like that. It's an American made brand. I pay a premium for it. It's better. It's the best pack you're ever going to find in the, in the world. Do I agree with Aaron Snyder's politically? Probably not me and me and the founder of that company would have many disagreements politically. So it's not about that at all. Right. But this, uh, this, this, this guy, this Sean dude lying overtly lying to his, his audience, to his customers, um, getting his stuff from China, putting American made on it. So getting that, that extra branding boost, uh, then turning off all the comments on all their posts, blocking people like me who call them out. Um, you got fined a couple hundred thousand dollars, like just what a cunt at the end of the day, you know, this whole like lions, not sheep thing. It's so self-righteous and arrogant and pompous. It's like motherfucker. You're not a lion. Okay. 
You're not a li- you're a person. You're a human person. Okay. Any lion, the bit, the most pathetic lion out there could beat your ass. You're not a lion. You don't have the energy of a lion. You're not, you're not an alpha male, right? I mean, <laughs> it's just such a fucking silly ass thing. It's so silly and it's so griftery. And it's like, if anybody needs to tell you they're a lion, they're a pussy. Okay, Sean Wallen, while he may have guns, and, and these same people who think that like guns equal a masculinity, like I've got a lot of guns, whatever, right? Doesn't make me more or less of a man to have guns. Anybody who thinks that like they're a lion and they like guns equal masculinity, that person is a pussy, right? That's just how it works. I'm sorry. And if you don't like the word term pussy, today's show is not for you because uh, it's something to think about. We're going to talk about that a little bit too. But it's like, I can't imagine just lying to your people like that. Like I have a brand, a small brand here, politically homeless. I, you know, I'm not right about everything. I'm here mostly to share perspectives. I don't need to lie to you guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't really know where our merch comes from. I'm trying to find a way to get that stuff done. Uh, union made, American made, uh, because that aligns with my values, but that's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to, to figure that sourcing out. So I'd rather just not lie. You know what I'm saying? Um, but to see these these guys be like, you know, the lion's not sheep based, uh, you know, let's go Brandon crowd, like the ultra patriots, right? And the funny thing is, too, it really upsets me. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Like, we were at a barbecue at the house, and we were kind of making fun of, like, some of these, like, and these are all people that are relatively conservative, too. Like, my friends are centered, you know, kind of like me, really. And then we have some to the right, some to the left. But generally speaking, there's no, like, extremists at my home gatherings. And we were talking, and, like, we use the term patriot now. To identify like MAGA douchebags, right? It's like, oh, the Patriots, huh? Yeah, that guy's, he's like, you know, it's like, uh, just like my wife will say, um, if somebody has like a, their pronouns in their bio, like it just says she, her, she'll just call that person a she, her, right? Whereas like whenever I see it now, it's like somebody being ridiculous. Like Marjorie Taylor Greene is such a Patriot, you know, she's, she's, she's a Patriot. Um, Uncle Joe is a patriot. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's one of those, huh? Yeah, he's a patriot. Yeah. And it's just like watered down patriot to mean nothing. And that's kind of these people, right? It's like you, you, you're, your whole brand is a grift. It's so mean. And it's just, it's meaningless, right? It's a flash in the pan and it's gone. You have zero principles. You just found something that was trendy and like lied about it enough to make a little bit of money. And here you are. Right, and you get to like buy some more AR-15s and feel like you're more of a man. When really, at the end of the day, you're just a little bitch. You're just a little bitch. And I know you're a little bitch because right now, here's this video is going to go out on on the gram. Let's have a conversation then. If you're not, I mean, you blocked me like a pussy, right? Over what I made a joke six months ago about your shitty brand. <laughs> it's like, then let's have a conversation, dude. If you really want to go, we'll do do it live on Instagram. But no. Because you're running away like a scared little bitch. Because you don't want to be held accountable for anything. You want to talk about these Republicans want to talk about personal responsibility until they're found out to be lying pieces of shit. Conservatives love talking about personal responsibility as long as not as long as it's not their personal responsibility. Right? It's your personal responsibility. It's not the personal responsibility of hedge fund managers or big oil and gas to not have humongous mistakes that cause all kinds of damage. They don't, they're immune to personal responsibility, but you and me, we need to be personally responsible, not them and not their, uh, not their, their donors. Right. And the, the lion's not sheep crowd have fit right into that mold. Personal responsibility is so trendy and so on brand until you're found out to be a lying piece of shit.
Good stuff, though. Good stuff. Now let's get to the state of things, everybody. We've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> All right. So, how are we going to do this without completely just bouncing all over the place? Um, yesterday, early in the morning, at the as the recording of this, the FBI uh, had a warrant, gained access to Trump's residence in Mar-a-Lago. They got into a safe, um, and that's all we really know. They say it could be because he took classified documents and the the um, the presidential archives or whatever said that he had some classified documents, even though as president you can declassify documents. I, I don't really know what's going on. And no one else knows either. Trump has the warrant, but he won't release the warrant for obvious reasons because it's very good for him politically. So when you look at this whole thing, it almost seems like it's a, a pro-Trump false flag. That's kind of what it seems like. Like people in Florida like put this together to make Trump look better. That's that's what this whole raid seems like. And there's got to be some meat here, or else this is just going to be so good for Donald Trump. Like this is the best thing that's happened to him. If there's nothing here, if it's over fucking documents, this is absolutely the best thing that's ever happened to him. And this is a bold, bold move. Like absolutely. But I wish that Trump would publish the warrant. I wish we get some more information. We just don't have it right now. But I'm going to bring up this here from uh, Andrew Yang. He says, I'm no Trump fan. I want him far away from the White House as possible. But a fundamental part of his appeal has been that it's him against the corrupt government establishment. This raid strengthens that case for millions of Americans who will see this as an unjust persecution. Yes, 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 Andrew. You're absolutely Right. Now, this isn't him being like, I want that to happen. This is just him stating reality, which people that align with themselves with the Democratic Party have a really hard time accepting reality, as do those that align themselves with the Republican Party, because when you're on a team, you're blinded. You're now blinded to the inconvenient reality around you. It continues here in this thread. It seems like it was authorized by a local judge in a particular FBI office without buy-in or notification of higher levels of government, but literally no one will believe that or make a distinction. It's probably bureaucratic, but it seems political. And this is interesting. So if this was like a pro-Trump false flag, right? Like they're just doing this to make him a victim. That's how you would do it. I'm not saying that. This is very conspiratorial, obviously, but it's like, it's kind of interesting to think about, right? Because this just makes so little sense. It's either a pro-Trump false flag to garner support for him, right? Or the Democrats have to have something. Because there's just no way they're going to Russiagate 5.0 here. It just makes no sense at all. He goes on to say, this is a quote from a political kind of play-by-play article here. It says, if they raided his home just to find classified documents he took from the White House, one legal expert noted he will be re-elected president in 2024, hands down. It will prove to be the greatest law enforcement mistake in history. Yeah, 1,000%. Now, I want to bring up, we're going to read some other uh, tweets from uh, some of the GOP members here and some other folks. But this 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 chick here, JoJo from Jurors, I don't know, I followed her on Twitter like a long time ago, and I kind of just like passively watch 
what she says. She is the most cringe, obnoxious person that exists online. She is more cringe and obnoxious than Charlie Kirk. And Charlie Kirk is, I, I, I despise that human being. I mean, this is, and I thought, you know, it was so funny. I thought she was like 22 or 23, just like a loud Twitter person. She's like in her 40s. And this woman is just like does nothing but but dick ride the Democratic Party and just like it's insane. She says, No one wants your takes, Yang. No one. Go away already. Like, what a bitch. Shut up. Like this is all she does all day long. I don't even ever get on Twitter, but every time I do, she's just tweeted something. It's disgusting, dude. Like, absolutely gross. Um Yeah, it's just like and I don't understand. How could you be so captured by the Democrat of all things? Like the Democratic Party? Like, is Hillary Clinton your fucking hero? Do you think Kamala Harris is actually competent? Like, I don't understand. Well, I'm trying to find a way, a justification to be this bought in. You know, I get it with, like, the the, the the MAGA people that are, like, they have, like, this fuck the establishment charismatic leader thing. It's like, are you, what are you, what are you seeking to uphold, Joe? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Anyways, neither here nor there, but I've, I've never brought her up on the show, but man. So, you've got here Ron DeSantis. The raid of Mar-a-Lago is another escalation in the weaponization of federal agencies against the regime, regime's political opponents. While people like Hunter Biden get treated with kid gloves, now the regime is getting another 87K IRS agents to wield against its adversaries. Banana Republic. And you're going to see anything that has to do with GOP is just Banana Republic, Banana Republic, Banana Republic, Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Gutfeld, Fox in the Morning, whatever it is, Banana Republic. It's going to be the thing. It's probably going to be trending soon. Um, Kevin McCarthy says, I've seen enough. The Department of Justice has reached an intolerable, intolerable state of weaponized politicization. When Republicans take back the House, we will conduct immediate oversight of this department, follow the facts, and leave no stone unturned. Attorney General Garland, preserve your documents and clear your calendar. Wow, we should do this with all three-letter agencies. FBI, CIA, NSA. Let's just do it, all of them. How about you just get some oversight on all those motherfuckers? Right, because you're only upset. These conservatives are only upset about these institutions whenever they're weaponized against them. Right now, somebody who shares the last name of Kevin McCarthy, I don't know if there's any relation, but uh, through what's the guy's name? McCarthy in the McCarthy era, I forget his first name. Don McCarthy, um, whatever his name was. This is the guy who weaponized the CIA and the other agencies to go after people they believe to be communists or homosexuals or whatever in the federal government. Turns out that that guy actually liked. Like fucking little boys, you know? So, like, that was a weird whole deal. That uh, The McCarthy era was a very strange time, but people forget about that. People forget about the, cons- the way that conservatives treated their political opponents once upon a time. And, you know, it's like poetry. It rhymes, right? It's funny how that works. Now, I'm not defending the Democrats that they're the ones that made this, all, this whole thing happen because I think it's a huge blunder. But I like to point out hypocrisy on both sides um, in just kind of historical context for when this has been done before. And it has been done before. Believe you me. Mike Pompeo says executing a warrant against the ex-president of the United States is different. The apparent, or excuse me, is dangerous. Excuse me. The apparent political weaponization of the DOJ FBI is shameful. AG must explain why 250 years of practice was upheld with this raid. I served on the Benghazi com where we proved Hillary possessed classified info. We didn't raid her home. I wish they would have. I wish they would have. That would have been fantastic. I think you should raid her home right now just because. Why not? Marco Rubio. After today's raid on Mar-a-Lago, what do you think the left plans to use those 87,000 new IRS agents for? Now you're going to hear this. It's not about going after Trump. It's about going after you. 
It's about going after you. That, my friends, is manipulation. <laughs> that is bullshit and manipulation. Here's the thing about the the, the whole 87,000 IRS agents, in my opinion. If you're going to go and try and audit and and hold the ultra-wealthy accountable, right? Because somebody will be like, there's only 150 billionaires. Well, it's like, no, we're not talking about just billionaires. This is one of the biggest straw mans ever. When people are like, well, there's more new millionaires now that were self-made than there are uh, trust fund, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No one gives a shit if you have one or two or three or five million dollars. Like, no one cares. To be completely honest with you, that's great for you, and then you're going to have a great life. It's just not a lot of money. It's not. What we're talking about when we talk about wealthy people is $100 million plus, okay? And when you have hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, you have a legal team <laughs> that is able to do your taxes in such a way that is super convoluted. So if you want to audit these people, it could take teams of hundreds <laughs> To go through all their bullshit, all their holdings, all their companies, all their assets. It's a lot to deal with, right? Which is why I think the IRS chooses to audit people who make less money, like in the like $25,000 a year or whatever, to audit for some reason. One is probably because of, uh, of, of, of potential uh, fraud or things like that because you would not take that income if you're a drug dealer or, or doing some kind of fraudulent activity. That can make some sense, but that doesn't, make, uh, that doesn't account for all of that. But also just because it's easier because they don't have a, a legal team, a finance team to go through. So if you see that bullshit, like this getting dovetailed and kind of like pushed into this whole new IRS expansion thing, um, you're being manipulated. So just keep that in mind. And also, I still want my tax return from 2020. I have never gotten that. So I would like for one of these 87,000 new IRS agents to get on that fucking soon. Because if you ever tried to get like customer service from the IRS, they need about 50,000 fucking customer service agents. That's all I'm saying. And maybe with that 87,000, they'll make it simpler. And, um, you know, we can let, uh, TurboTax, the TurboTax lobby, uh, get fucked and they can just tell us how much we owe and we can pay them. And that'd be the end of it without having to do this whole hoopla where they know how much they owe, we owe, but they won't tell us. Anyways, never mind. We're going down the road. Uh, we're going to keep staying on this Trump raid thing. Somebody says the Biden, Biden is the dictatorship they spent years pretending Trump was. Oh, wow. Oh, more stuff. Unprecedented, unprecedented. Banana Republic. There was something else in here. Oh, Andrew Cuomo. This is what I wanted to show you guys. DOJ must immediately explain the reason for its raid, and it must be more than a search of inconsequential archives, or it will be viewed as a political tactic and undermine any future credible investigations and the legitimacy of January 6th investigations. Wow, Andrew Cuomo. You hit the nail on the head, bro. Wow. I'm actually kind of impressed. I'm actually kind of impressed. Um, the Hodge twins here to, to, to manipulate you into liking their shit. Um, they're not after me. They're after you. I'm just in the way. That's unlikely. Unlikely. Um, but whatever. We just don't know. It is, we just don't know. We'll figure it out. It's just, it's, it's just going to be, this is what we're going to be talking about for a while. We're going to be talking about this for a while. Just like when COVID happened, we all had to become like amateur epidemiologists, right? Just to like kind of have an idea of what's going on. Now we're going to learn more than we wanted to know about classified documents and classified document procedure, uh, what that means. Like it's going to be so obnoxious and so silly. And if this is just another Russiagate thing, like the Democrats can get fucked, really. But there's probably some more stuff going on here. They've got to have some meat. They've got to have some meat or else it's just a complete waste of time. I don't know what to say. Andrew Yang is spot on. 
Uh, JoJo from Jurors is completely wrong, but that's pretty much standard for her. And now you're seeing how it's being manipulated and talking about the IRS agents and the blah, 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 and this other stuff. Like, what do you want me to do? We're going to talk a little bit more about the Inflation Reduction Act next, but right now we're looking at this saying, we don't know much information. We don't have much information. I'll keep you guys up to date um, as as best I can with anything that seems relevant. But if I had to choose, if I, if I was a betting man, which I am, if I had to bet, I would say it's most likely overreach by the FBI and there's a whole lot of nothing here. I think it's probably a big nothing burger. I kind of hope I'm wrong here and it's something about like there's some Epstein shit going on, but given the track record of, of the Democratic establishment, it's probably a gigantic nothing burger. Best case scenario for everyone is there's some juicy Epstein stuff here and we get a little bit more information on that whole deal. But highly unlikely. Highly, highly, highly unlikely. Today's episode is brought to you by those crazy motherfuckers over at Elemental Labs. Guys, they've been making the good goods for, I don't know, years now. Years. This salty, sweet beverage enhancement is one of the most beautiful things in my pantry. I love this. I drink it every single day. What we're looking at is 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium, those electrolytes that you need to keep yourself going. I am right now six days away from my first big game hunt of 2022, first ones of the season here in Colorado. We're going to be going out looking for antelope. And one thing about antelope season, because it's in mid-August, and it's down low, it's lower elevation hunt, it is fucking hot. It is hot and be sweating. We're going to have to pack in a bunch of water, uh, mostly hunting from the truck, so no big deal. We'll just fill our coolers up. But I am going to be handing out uh, Yetis. No, I'm not handing out Yetis. Handing out Element to all the guys I go with. I do it when we play golf. I'm like, try this out. Try this out. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves it every time. I love love that I have like boxes of this stuff because I just get to hand it out to people. And people... Love it, man. It's in every little gift bag we make for our people. It's just, it's so fantastic. And especially right now when we're getting into the fall hunting season, this stuff's with me in the back country. It's, it's, it's element, um, Laird's coffee and black rifle coffee. <laughs> that's like my little, that's all in one, all in one packet together. Um, not mixed together, but all the little packages in one little, in a little, one little Ziploc. And that's my fuel for the experience guys if you put your body through it if you sweat if you eat paleo keto uh low carb if you're just out you like to do work if you want to get the most out of your water if you want to stay hydrated baby element is for you here's what they're doing now we did have a different deal so keep in mind here we get a new deal and this goes on forever forever you're gonna get a free gift a variety pack with your order so go to drink element d-r-i-n-k lmnt.com slash wanders the link is in the show notes of this show you're gonna get your whatever you order plus a variety pack so my recommendation is order this is a raspberry right here fantastic raspberry watermelon are really good flavors um everybody loves those i would grab a box of those and then that variety pack you're going to get for ordering with the link the drink element.com slash wanders you get a variety pack you can try a bunch of stuff out and then see what you like best element has been a sponsor for a long time they support free speech they support this show and you should support them because they will support your health drink element.com slash wanders there's links in the show notes let's get back to the show the democratic establishment is saying this is biden's 
best week ever. You've got dark Brandon memes floating around the the internet. People are hyped on Joe Biden right now. I mean, he's having. He seems like he's having a good week, and part of that good week. So just so weird to say, even though it's like kind of half true. Uh, <laughs> Democrats pass a major climate, uh, health, and tax bill. Here's what's in it. Um, this girl has a really cool name, Deepa Shivaram. Shivaram. I need some more time at the uh, at the Buddha Center so I can get those names knocked out. Senate Democrats, after weeks of negotiations, received the core of their election year agenda. After passing a spending bill which would attempt to tackle climate change, the high cost of prescription drugs, and lower the deficit by roughly $300 billion. Late Saturday night into Sunday morning, senators voted on amendments to Democrats' major spending bill that tackles health care, climate change, and taxes. The legislation was passed through the budget reconciliation process, which means all 50 Democrats and one tiebreaker vote by Vice President Kamala Harris were needed. Since none of the 50 Republican senators voted for the bill, it also restricts the measures in the bill to those that directly change federal spending and revenue. Let's see what's actually in this thing. All right, tackling climate change. Personally, right now, like, I don't think that climate change is a hoax or whatever, but I feel like it's just being used to make, it's it's being used at this point to where, just like everything else, right, whether it's racism or the word groomer or uh, uh, hate speech or misinformation or disinformation or recession, right? It's like, this is the part in, 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 in 1984 where they show how when you change the word meaning of words, they no longer have any value, right? So, like, climate change as a phrase has very little value now. Um, racism as a phrase, as, as in the way that it's historically been used, had value. It was it had it had weight. It had some. It meant something. It means very little more. It means less today than it did ten years ago. Um, same with climate change, same with, with the word groomer now. The Republicans beat that to death. The word patriot doesn't mean that much anymore. Like, so it's, it's that we're in this process now of just hollowing out words that we want to beat to death um, to serve our own agendas, and, and climate change is unfortunately one of those. Whereas I think there's a lot we can do for the environment at, at – um, um, the environment – guys, I'm off nicotine now, so, like, my brain doesn't really work anymore. I'm coming back, though. I'm, I'm getting there. But the environment as a whole, we could do a lot about that. And we could focus on these things, especially focus on tangible things. But this whole like climate change rhetoric has just gotten to, to me is just so exhausting to me. It's you're, you're calling things like this is called the Inflation Reduction Act. It doesn't impact inflation, right? So that that doesn't make any sense. And then you've got you know it's just it's frustrating to me. More than $300 billion would be invested in energy and climate reform, the largest federal clean energy investment in U.S. history. The bill is supported by many environmental and climate activists, but is short of the $555 billion that Democrats had originally called for, which I'm fine with. If you have a plan, then you can get the maybe, – maybe you should only get $100 billion at the front and prove you're going to do something with it, and then maybe you can get some more, right? Prove you can do something with the money before you get more money. You can't just assume that you're going to be effective because the government is not very effective at all. This portion of the bill takes on transportation and electricity generation, and it includes $60 billion for growing renewable energy infrastructure and manufacturing like solar panels and wind turbines, which is fine. Because at the end of the day, the government does need to build out that infrastructure for charging stations, um, renewables, which are going to be a vital part of this. Between re- renewables and nuclear, we're, that, that's the direction we need to go into, um, especially for things like electricity. And, and, and we can move, we can do that. We can make that happen. It's very doable. 
uh, with our current with our current technology. Not to mention the technology increases we're going to have in the future. It also includes several tax credits for individuals on things like electric vehicles and making homes more energy efficient. Um, making homes more energy efficient, we'll see how that goes. I think that's mostly going to that's going to matter most, not so much in individual homes, but in things like um, condos, apartments, things like that, where you get to actually can can get some um, probably some tax breaks for putting in uh, more efficient AC windows, things like that. Um, the tax credits for individuals on electric vehicles. Here's my thing with that. And I was for a long time was about that, right? Anything you can, and it's like anything you can do to incentivize people. It's like, Hey, you're going to pay less taxes because you do this thing. That's mutually beneficial for kind of everyone. Yeah, I see. But I think all that's going to do is drive demand up on some of those EVs that are, are we're already in a shortage of, right? Like I just got a notification on my phone because I ordered a, an F one fifty. Um, not an electric one, but an F one fifty that they Google knows that <laughs> they have a notification saying, Hey, um, Ford is, is increasing the price. You have to pay, you know, six or $7,000 over sticker to get the four, the fully electric Ford lightly, not light, Ford lightning F one fifty. And it's because there's a, there's a chip shortage. It's taking, it's hard to manufacture these things. There's a lot of things that, that they've gotten fucked and it's really challenging for them to put these things together. So right now you're seeing prices increase already, and then you're going to increase demand on our, an already limited market because of the things that we're trying to sort out with this chips bill. So it's like, you kind of put the cart before the horse here. And I don't really realize, think that tax credits, um, for EVs were the most, valuable use of funds, in my opinion. I think the market's already there. I think people want them. If you're down to spend $70,000 on a car, then you know a Tesla is a great option or a Porsche uh, uh, electric car. Like A lot of these electric cars, they're doing the right thing from the mark for the market and making higher-end electric cars. You can also go Prius, baby. Toyota Prius is a great car, right, if you're going to do something more economical. So I don't eh. – I just don't think that, the, that that makes the most sense in the world. I think there was a better place to put that money. But that is what it is. That's just my opinion. The bill would, according to Democrats, lower greenhouse gas emissions by 40% based on 2005 levels by the end of the decade, which is short of the 50% goal Biden had aimed for. All right. Lowering the cost of prescription drugs. Now, this is where the fuckery ensues. Now, anytime we talk about something that has to do with pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry or the military, um, you know you're about to get fucked. So let's listen to how convoluted and ridiculous this is. On health reforms, the bill takes on making prescription drugs more affordable, but there are some limits. There are some limits. The bill includes a historic measure that allows the federal health uh, secretary to negotiate the prices of certain expensive drugs each year for Medicare. So now Medicare can negotiate with certain expensive drugs each year. They can negotiate with some, the drugs that big pharma allows them to negotiate with them over. <laughs> That's what, you can read, through, uh, read between the lines there and say, big pharma said we could negotiate with them about these drugs. That's what happened. That's what happened. It wasn't demands. It wasn't we're going to do this. It was, oh, which drugs would you be okay with us negotiating the price of? Getting fucked. There's number one. But this won't impact every prescription drug or every patient. Of course it won't. Uh, and it won't take effect quickly. The negotiations will take effect for 10 drugs covered by Medicare in 2026. We reread that. The negotiations will take effect for 10 drugs covered by Medicare in 2026. Increasing to 
20 drugs in 2029. Are you fucking serious? Wow. That is the biggest pile of nothing I've ever seen in my life. <sighs> the portion of the bill, that, that's, that's the second one. That's the second way you're getting fucked right there. There's nothing there. That's nothing. That, that matters to most of us so little, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. The portion of the bill that t- tried to cap at $35 per month the price of insulin, a drug that is incredibly expensive in the U.S. compared to other countries, was ruled out of order by the Senate parliamentarian who ruled the cap could apply on Medicare, a government program, but not on private insurance. So Democrats split the measure between Medicare and private insurance, but Republicans ultimately blocked the measure for private insurance. So insulin, which is cost pennies to make, they were going to cap that at $35 per month. And they can for Medicare, but they can't for private insurance. <laughs> so you still get to pay. And, you know, insurance is only going to cover so much. Maybe if you have a $10,000 deductible, you have to meet that within the year. So maybe you get a few months of insulin covered by your uh, health care provider. But no, no. Greed is good, baby. Greed is good. That's number three. A fake good thing that's really actually bullshit. The parliamentarian also ruled that a measure that was in the bill to force drug companies to offer rebates of prescription prices outpaced inflation was not totally in line with the rules for budget reconciliation. She said that it could apply to Medicare patients, but not those with private insurance. The bill puts a cap of $2,000 of out of, on out-of-pocket prescription drug costs for people on a Medicare effective in 2025. Again, why 2025? Why? Why, why three more years? That makes no sense. There's also a three-year extension on health care subsidies in the Affordable Care Act, originally passed in a pandemic relief bill last year, estimated by the government to have kept pre, uh, premiums at $10 per month or lower for the vast majority of people covered through the Federal Health Insurance Exchange. That helped millions of people avoid spikes in health care costs. Okay. 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 Tax reform. The legislation creates a 15% minimum tax for corporations making $1 billion or more in income, bringing in more than $300 billion in revenue. A portion that got cut, though, is one that narrowed the carried interest tax loophole. Arizona, Arizona's Kirsten Cinema agreed to sign onto the bill if the measure, which would have changed the way private equity income is taxed, was cut. Democrats, Democrats said it would have brought in $14 billion in revenue. So let's talk about the carried interest loophole real quick. And Matt Taibbi, this is something that we need to know, guys. We're going to get a little education today. Matt Taibbi is somebody I really trust when it comes to finance. He kind of came up as a journalist. He's already a journalist, but he really cut his teeth in the 2008 financial crisis, um, which taught us all a lot about the reality of the world we live in. It says, in one of the longest-running political comedies in America, a hated tax break once again, once again survives at the last minute after a huge uh, coalition of politicians promised to kill it. The so-called carried interest tax loophole allows private equity execs, one um, once called leveraged buyout artist, <laughs> to pay most most taxes as long-term capital gains as opposed to ordinary income. A main route by which billionaires can pay lower tax rates than teachers or construction work construction workers. Titans like Steven Schwartzman of Blackstone, whose 2021 income was over $1 billion, including $941.6 million in Blackstone's dividends, was likely taxed at the lower rate, can cut their tax bills roughly in half. You can cut your tax bill in half. Sportsman, who once spent $5 million hiring Rod Stewart to play his birthday party, 
endured himself to the ordinary folk in 2010 when he said the potential end of the break was like Hitler invading Poland. Wow. Law professor Victor Fleisch in 2015 estimated that closing the loophole would generate $180 billion over 10 years, and politicians have promised to do it at least half a dozen times this generation. Barack Obama first proposed a change in 2009, did so again in 2010, 2011, and 2012. Then Hillary Clinton promised to end it as a candidate in 2016. Um, Donald Trump said executives were getting away with murder as a president as as president did actually did actually limit the access to the exemption a little. Joe Biden also proposed doing away with it, and the loophole finally seemed to be all but dead this week. As recently as Wednesday, private equity news reported that it was on the chopping block thanks to the inter, um, insertion in the Inflation Reduction Act. But it was taken out at the last minute, reportedly at the cost of earning Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema's support for the bill. Dennis Kelleher of Better Markets calls carried interest the billionaire's tax loophole a cockroach because it can't be killed. While another financial reform activist I called referenced an iconic American cartoon sequence saying there was always people who believe Charlie Brown will really kick the football this time. I love Matt Taibbi so much. So Kirsten Sinema looked around Scottsdale and said, you know what? Somebody needs to stand up for the private equity bros. And when I look at this, it makes me feel angry. Anyways, moving on. Instead, a 1% excise tax on stock buybacks was introduced, and it could bring in roughly five times as much revenue as the carried interest measure. However, it wouldn't take effect until next year, raising predictions of a rush of buybacks by some companies before 2023 rolls around. Interesting. I don't mind that. I think that makes about that makes sense. A one percent excise tax on buybacks. I mean, buybacks. I don't think should be illegal. Um, they're great for shareholder value, and a lot of people who hold those shares are people like me, um, without a ton of money that are just you know trying to uh, save and be smart. So yeah, I, I look at even when I analyzing like um, different stocks. Like I want to see a company uh, that's created enough revenue to buy back some of their stock, which is is better for the investors. But at the same time, I totally get that one percent excise tax um, because well. I also wish they could be barred from using government money to buy back stocks. I don't mind if you do it with your own money. Do whatever you want with your own money company. But when you're using uh, bailout money like the airlines and the banks, uh, yeah, that's fucked. A major portion of the bill that isn't included due to the opposition from West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin is extending the child tax credit. Manchin expressed last year that the cost to extend the credit was too high, but progressives, including Vermont, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, have continued to push for its inclusion in the bill. That is our inflation reduction Act overall thoughts. Here's my thing. Whatever. It's fine. Not the worst thing in the world. Um I don't I don't cheer for or endorse or support increasing government revenue. Okay? That's where I'm at. I do, however, want to see the carried interest tax loophole closed. Because the people that are benefiting from that are people that are adding no value, right? People are like, well, the Jeff Bezos made a thing and Elon Musk. No one gives a fuck about Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. They should both be fucking billionaires. What Private equity douchebags, on the other hand, add zero value. Maybe a little bit, a little sprinkle of value. And they have so much leverage. So what I would want to see when people make tax reform propositions like this, right, where you're putting that 15% um, tax on what companies um, report to their investors, right, 
as opposed to what they reported to the IRS. So you're going to have a 15% minimum tax, which is lower than the tax rate of 21%. I think that's good, right? But I'm saying, okay, well, you're increasing revenue via taxing businesses, taxing the super wealthy, all that stuff. How about we do that? And whatever the revenue difference is there within the, say, let's say 10 million or 100 million and above, whatever that is, whatever that generates for you in that 15% business tax, whatever that generates for you, how about you balance it out by creating tax breaks for people who make, I don't know, $100,000 and less? How about we do that? How about we say anybody who makes less than $100,000 a year pays zero in taxes? And somehow we keep government revenue level. That's what I'd like to see. That makes sense to me because I'm not going to cheer for increasing government revenue for the sake of increasing government revenue. They're not great at capital allocation. What I would like to see is, hey, this guy is get, these, these, these hedge fund fucks are going to actually get taxed at 30%. But if you, 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 know, you own a small business, you work a job, you make $50,000, $70,000 a year, you're actually going to get taxed zero. <laughs> Maybe your state can tax you for whatever reason because you live there and that's, the other things have to happen there. But federally, you don't. It's a big goose egg for us. Because you're already paying sales tax, you're doing these other things. And then maybe shifting in, maybe that, that, that forces creativity into shifting into maybe a, a more of a consumption tax type of situation. But that's where I'm at. I like this plan, but I'd like to see, because it's like the tax cuts and the tax, all this stuff gets talked about with the rich, but most of us aren't, right? Most of us aren't. So how about we have a conversation that leads to tax cuts for the working class, Right? That stimulates the economy as well. I mean, you saw what happened when everybody got twelve hundred bucks. Just think about it, all those people don't pay taxes, federal taxes, so they get what their increase their revenue their their income is now increased by fifteen percent, twenty percent, depending. I know it's not the actual tax rate, but you know when you write some shit off. I don't know. I don't know. I think that would be a beautiful stimulus and be great for the, the real Americans. But that's just me. That is just me. I don't really feel good rooting for increasing government revenue, especially whenever we take $60 billion and just shit it into Ukraine. But that's just me. So you guys remember whenever Roe v. Wade got overturned and that whole thing. And what I said was, if you're going to kick this back to the states for now, all right, before something can federally get legal, uh, federally get federally get worked out, and since the Democrats completely failed over the past, you know, 15 years in <laughs> getting that codified, um, if you're going to kick it back to the states, you need direct ballot initiatives. Same thing with weed, abortion. Like You need direct ballot initiatives and direct democracy to see what people actually want because the representatives don't do a great job of holding these culture war issues at the same level that the, that the populace does. They don't have this. They don't have, they don't represent the same. They don't represent the population when it comes to culture war issues. They just, they, they really don't oftentimes. Um, because at the end of the day, people vote for people that are going to be in their economic interests and things like that. Very rarely would I say that like when it comes to abortion, uh, marijuana, things like that, which I consider cultural issues, like particularly, I mean, I would say on both sides of the aisle, honestly, like representatives just, they, they, they team they tend to take more extreme positions than their constituents. That's where I'm at. So I said, put it to a vote. Right? Ballot initiative. And Kansas did that. Kansas is a very conservative state. Very conservative. Now, check this out. Kansas voters reject anti abortion measure 
and first state vote since Roe v. Wade reversal. I think this would be the case in almost every state given a free and fair election. Now, there were some uh, pro-life or anti-abortion organizations that were pretending to be pro-choice organizations um, and reaching out and texting people and telling them to actually vote the wrong way because the way it was worded was a little confusing. You're actually were voting to uphold a, um, a, a, a Supreme Court ruling within Kansas. So it, really interesting. But So you had to vote yes to uphold the current situation, which is what they did, or no. It was just, yeah. So it's just one of those things. But one thing they really did that I thought was fantastic and so smart, finally figuring it out here, is the pro-choice organizations didn't run on abortion. They ran on freedom. Freedom to make your own medical decisions. Medical freedom. Who has been saying medical freedom for the past three years? Who's been, who's been tooting that horn? Right? Wasn't the left. <laughs> But now we're back, and now it's like, hey, you guys want a medical freedom, and I think some people are getting confronted with that. I think what one thing that the COVID overreach did was put people in a situation where, like, well, you know what? Like, I don't agree with this, but, hey, I would like to be able to be free to make my own medical decisions, and I understand this is a slippery slope, me telling somebody else what they can do with their body. So that happened. But I wanted to check this out. I wanted, I was trying to find some, like, there was very few Republican people, like, trying to cope with this and turn it into something else. But reliably... The Daily Wire it says pro-life amendment in Kansas was first abortion test since Roe Ro versus Wade. Here's how it fared. Uh, voters on Tuesday rejected a pro-life amendment in Kansas, the first test of voter sentiment following the overturning of the abortion case Roe v. Wade by the U.S. Supreme Court, which effectively kicked abortion restrictions to the states. The value them both amendment was defeated by about 17 percentage points, and I think it was like 70 Oh, was it like 68 to 40? It was something like that. It was, it was pretty overwhelming. 17 percentage points blocking the state from removing a right to abortion in the state constitution. President Joe Biden, blah, blah, blah. I love that I said this. President Joe Biden, who is Catholic, cheered for the victory for abortion rights. They got to throw that little cutting in there. Um, this vote makes clear what we know. The majority of Americans agree that women should have access to abortions and should have the right to make their own health care decisions. Yeah, of course. Mallory Carroll, a spokesperson for Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, called the loss a huge disappointment and blasted abortion advocates for drowning out the truth with lies. Wow. She actually sounds like the um, like Rachel Maddow during COVID <laughs> with that kind of rhetoric. And you'll love this, guys. Tonight's loss is a huge disappointment for pro-life Kansans and Americans nationwide. The abortion lobby's message to voters was rife with lies that ultimately drowned out the truth. Because of tonight's results, Kansas could shortly become home to unrestricted abortion on demand, even late-term abortion without limits. By the way, side note here, this is not her quote, 90, what is it, 97% of abortions are done in the first, like, six weeks? But, you know, facts don't care about your feelings. Um, even late-term abortions without limit paid for by the taxpayers. The people and their elected legislators now have no recourse to use the tools of democracy to enact laws that reflect consensus. I'm going to read that again. Remember, this is a direct ballot initiative. This is as democratic as it can possibly be. 
the people and their elected legislators now have no recourse to use the tools of democracy to enact laws that reflect consensus. This woman has lost her goddamn mind if she thinks that is a true statement. (sighs) The stakes for the pro-life movement in the upcoming midterm elections could not be higher, and there will be many more factors in play, she added. It is critical that pro-life candidates go on the offense to expose the extremism of Democrats' policy goals for nationalized abortion on demand paid for by taxpayers. Well, many of those children that are um, aborted, right? Well, see, the reason that happens is because people aren't economically stable enough to raise a child oftentimes. So a lot of those kids you're going to be paying for as they are raised. So at the end of the day, even if it is paid for by taxpayers and economic, fiscal economic responsibility is your uh, value, then actually this is more economically advantageous. Not that that's the reason to make that decision, and I feel terrible that that's the reason people have to make this decision to make this choice, which they have the right to do. But I just want to throw some, you know, again, some more facts and information and data right back into your face, Mallory Carroll. Oh, Mallory Carroll. I thought that was fun. I mean, this is, the whole thing is not fun. Abortion's not fun. It's not a fun topic to talk about. But when somebody just puts their foot in their mouth and is so incapable of like making a cogent point here, you got to bring it up. You got to bring it up. And there's a reason that most conservatives were quiet about this. Not many people were saying much about it. But I found this article uh, and was able to. And even like, I mean, even the New York Post is a pretty favorable writing of this. I mean, New York Post is pretty good about decent, like, they have a right. Ba- and I, didn't, I wasn't really interested in what, like, the lefty, the lefty news had to say about this. I mean, that's not even right. The Democratic news had to say about this. Um, it just wasn't, you know, it's going to be a raw, raw cheerleading session. And saying, I usually go the opposite side whenever it's something like this. Um, but they had a pretty favorable take on this. Because I think that the, the public sentiment is very clear. This is a 70-30 issue. Um, I think even higher than that when you talk about um, specific, you know, cutoff points at like 15 weeks. I mean, that's like a 70% issue itself. So, Yeah. Interesting stuff here. Interesting stuff. And I hope to see more and more of these votes going to the voters. Going to the voters, not the representatives. I want directly to the voters. Put it right next to fucking legalizing marijuana as well. That's what we need to see. That's that's That would make this country a better place. Not everything needs to go to direct ballot initiative. Not everything. I think we need more ranked choice voting. I think we need more democracy. But I understand the apprehension with putting everything to a ballot initiative. The tyranny of the majority is a thing. That being said, when it comes to abortion and marijuana, we can fix those. We can we can solve that problem right now by taking it directly to the people. And that's exactly what I think we need to do. Uh, so, guys, I you guys know I went on a little bit of a, a rant about Ukraine. Um, a couple shows ago, ended up putting that clip on YouTube, and I was actually really, uh, really terrified by the number of Russian, or excuse me, Ukrainian bots that like spammed my account. It got absolutely incredible. I mean, the thing did like half a million views. So that was cool. Um, but people were just saying like the craziest shit. It was a wild time. It was a wild time. And again, I want to clarify my position here. I stand with the people that are being harmed by this war. And by that, I mean the Ukrainian people and the Russian people. Zelensky, Putin, the oligarchs can all 
go fuck themselves. Every single one of them. I don't appreciate what, what Ukraine was doing with shelling the Donbass since 2014 after the coup. I don't appreciate what America has been doing with Ukraine and crossing red lines with arrogance and hubris against a nuclear uh, superpower. I don't appreciate the way that Putin has handled this and the way that it's gone down as far as what's happened to civilians. I also don't love that it seems like they got real, uh, they did a lot, like they, they took a, a, a page out of Hamas's book in Palestine and set up their military operations in civilian areas. Right? I'm not a fan of Israel either. I'm also not a fan of Hamas. These, all of these things can exist at one time. Okay? What I stand for is the people. The working class, real people. The citizens that don't deserve this happening to them. I've had to clarify this numerous times, and I'm going to do it again, because Ukraine right now is my focus because that's where I see the most bullshit. Everyone knows Putin is a dictator. Everyone knows Putin is a bully. Okay? This isn't news to anyone. Okay, I don't think he's virtuous. I don't think he's in the right. I don't know. I don't know enough. No one knows enough that's not there to know whether or not this is justified or not. Right? And I say that looking at NNO, it's like, well, clearly it's not justified. Yeah, wars happen all the time, man. When is that when have we not been at war since we've all been alive that are listening to this? Somebody. The United States for most of my life, right? I think almost I think pretty much all of it. Like ninety eight percent of my life, the United States has been at war with somebody. And then on top of that, we back Saudi Arabia and Yemen. We don't really hold Israel accountable for what they do with Palestinian uh, civilians. But, but somehow we can find a justification for those things. So I'm using that very loose term justification here as well. It's a principled stance. So when I look at that, I'm like, well, I mean, I have to, I have to measure it against the world at the time, right? You look, at, you look at things like Genghis Khan, who somehow found a way to behead over a million people with fucking swords, right? And people just lined up and would knock out whole cities. That was the game they were playing at the time. Alexander the Great, that's the game they were playing at the time. You have to judge them by what the game was at the time. And the game at that time was rape, pillage, and conquer. Right? And we have to do that. We have to put it in context. So in context right now, as far as justified wars are concerned, I don't know. I don't know. And that's an honest way of going about it. But... What I can say is this looks really sketchy. And when I criticize Ukraine, I'm criticizing the United States because they're the ones enabling this behavior. So CBS, of all outlets, actually did some journalism. It says, why military aid is not getting to the front lines in Ukraine. Now, they had to add an editor's note. It says, this article has been updated to reflect changes since the CBS Reports documentary Arming Ukraine was filmed. And the documentary is also being updated. Jonas Omas said the delivery was significantly improved since filming with CBS in late April. The government of Ukraine notes that U.S. Defense Attaché Brangier General Jarek Harman arrived in Kiev in August 2022 for arms control and monitoring. Okay, yeah, but this is filmed when a lot of the crazy shit was going on, right? So it still matters. When all the weapons were showing up, this was being filmed, and that matters a lot. It doesn't Now, maybe it's gotten better since then, but that doesn't mean that there's not billions of dollars of weapons, and apparently only 30% of those are making it to the front lines, or were at the time. That's still a lot of weapons. That's still very valid. 
So we actually, I found this, um, they took the documentary down. It was on that page. I was able to go find it. Somebody had put it on YouTube and uh, on Rumble. I shared the link in the Patreon uh, so people could check it out, hoping that it would stay up. But let's just watch a few segments of this. I wanted to, A couple things that I wanted to point out. So here's kind of the beginning, which is almost like kind of gives a framework for what this is. We move weapons and equipment to Ukraine at record speed. Drones, grenade launchers, machine guns. We're seeing this incredible historic flow of weapons coming into Ukraine. Do we have any sense as to where they're going? We don't know. There is really no information as to where they're going uh, at all. You know, all this stuff goes to the border and then kind of like something happens. It kind of like you know, 30% maybe reaches its final destination. 30%. 30% reaches its final destination. 30%. Are you concerned about weapons getting in the wrong hands? I don't care at all whether that happens. What sort of a unit do you command? Can't say. Okay. You know, there are like power lords, uh, oligarchs, uh, political players. One of the biggest targets are convoys like this transporting weapons. Europeans had come to believe that that project of integration had effectively meant the banishment of armed force. All of a sudden, not far from the borders of the EU, was the most significant war since World War II. There's a lot there. There's a couple of things I wanted to point out and kind of expand on. So you can see this is like a, the real deal. Like these guys were getting shot at. There, there was shelling like happening right behind them. It's crazy. I mean, this is this, this is no. This is a lot. It takes a lot to do a documentary like this. It takes a lot. The derailing of this supply run is one of the many ways desperately needed aid doesn't always make it to the soldiers who need it. The U.S. has sent tens of thousands of anti-aircraft and anti-armor systems, artillery rounds, hundreds of artillery systems, switchblade armored drones, and tens of millions of rounds of small arms ammunition. But in a conflict where front lines are scattered and conditions change without warning, not all of those supplies reach their destination. Some also reported weapons are being hoarded, or worse, fear that they are disappearing into the black market, an industry that has thrived under corruption in post-Soviet Ukraine. So my question there is like, okay, so we're not supposed to care about this, right? We're not allowed to talk about this. How many degrees of separation is it from some corrupt person within the Ukrainian government to get a, a handful of, of Hellfire missiles or whatever to the kind of person who would sell those to some kind of terrorist who might attack the United States, Europe, whatever? So while we pretend that we're making Europe safer, and somebody even said that in response to one of my videos, like European safety is American safety. It's like, well, we're not making Europe safer. We're actually flooding the area, flooding the whole zone with advanced weaponry that only takes one or two people, right? With the right intention and the right mindset and, and the greed to get a handful of incredibly destructive weapons to the wrong kind of people. You know what I'm saying? That would actually do something cut fucking nuts. Shoot a jetliner out of the air, blow up a building, a, a sporting event. So let's ha let's have a real rational head on our shoulders when we're thinking about the kinds of weapons we're sending to a place that, let's be honest, has a fucking Nazi problem. Okay? Can we be honest about it? Can we be grown-ups about it? 
And Zelensky thinks he's just above criticism. And anything that you can't, he can't stand for criticism and it's all Russian propaganda. That sounds like an authoritarian to me. That sounds quite authoritarian to me, and it sounds a lot like exactly what we're fighting against, doesn't it? Which sounds very similar to the Mujahideen in Afghanistan and the way that we funded them. Let's continue. I want it now. This 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 military contractor is this is a trip. Let's we're gonna play this whole little segment here. Jammer. If you provide supplies or logistics pipeline. You've got to be able, there's got to be some organization to it, right? You know, the surprise isn't that, oh, all this stuff isn't getting there. The surprise is that people actually expected it to. We're here in the uh, evacuation. Andy Milburn is a U.S. Marine veteran. Unsatisfied with what he felt was a too hands-off approach from the U.S., he made his way to Kiev after the invasion to train frontline soldiers. I can tell you, unarguably, that on the frontline units, these things are not getting there, all right? Um... Drones, uh, switchblades, IFACs, they're not, all right? Um, body armor, helmets, you name it. Is, is it safe to characterize this as a little bit of a, a black hole? I, I, I suppose if you don't have visibility of where this stuff is going, and if you're asking that question, then it would appear that it's a black hole, yeah. Are you concerned about weapons getting in the wrong hands? I don't care at all whether that happens. Of course it's going to happen. It happens in any... T- I mean, if you, if you don't have guys here supervising the pipeline, but that's not my biggest concern. My biggest concern right now is that the guys who need to kill Russians with those weapons get those weapons. Yeah. And that's the sentiment of many, many people. I don't really give a shit if that happens. We'll, 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 we'll start a war with those people down the road. Crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. Then we've got this here. Amnesty International assessment that Ukraine put civilians in harm way stirs outrage. A human rights group accused accused the Ukrainian military of establishing bases and weapon systems in schools and hospitals. Yeah. So Amnesty International is now a uh, pro-Putin. And Zelensky said, I'm looking for it in here, but I can't find it. Um, It says, this cannot stand. The international organization that calls war crimes war crimes is must be working for Putin now. Is Amnesty International a, a, a puppet of, of, of Russia? Does it seem that way to you? Because what it seems like to me is that you put bases and weapons in schools and hospitals and then got upset. And a mall, by the way. I saw that. I saw that video of you putting... Um, <laughs> weapon systems in a mall that was actually functioning. Didn't tell anybody that. And then it got blown up and you're like, Oh my God, look at all these civilian deaths. Yeah. That's what happens. That's what happens when you don't give a fuck about your civilians. Can you imagine the United States government putting a, a weapon system inside of the Dallas Cowboy stadium and then getting, and then being surprised when it gets blown up? Like what have we, t- you know, you're in an active war zone, dude. Take some responsibility. I mean, all we're, all I'm asking for is, is for a person who we're sending billions and billions and billions of dollars in weapons to, to be held accountable. I'm doing the same thing Rand Paul was doing and asking for at least some oversight. Just like that military contractor war criminal guy just said. It's like, if you have people supervising the pipeline, that won't happen. Why are people not there supervising the pipeline? 
This is going to come back and bite us in the ass so bad. And nobody will listen. It'll be the same shit. This is just... It's like we've seen this enough times that we know this smells fishy. And we just don't do a goddamn thing about it. Par for the course. It's what you expect, right? It's what you'd expect from the American military establishment. Anyways... It's time for me to give you something to think about, guys. Let's do it. The extremes, baby. The extremes. We hear a lot of people talking about extreme right-wing extremism. The radical left. The extremes. Everybody's so fucking extreme. I get it, man. I get it. And here's the reason. Here's the reason why there's so many extremists on the left and the right. Antifa, MAGA, TARDS, all you know, these, these people, right? The, the 10% on either side that drive the 80% of us fucking insane. Here's why there's so many of those people now. Because there's more pussies than there's ever been. And there's nothing more cowardice. There's nothing safer than being on the extreme end. And you know why? It's because your ideas are so fucking stupid that they can't be challenged by somebody rational and they're never going to happen. So you have zero to worry about. Nothing you care about will ever happen if you're an extreme, on the extreme end. Nothing. Nothing you pretend to care about will ever, ever happen. The, this country's not going to be communist for the people on the left that want it to be and the people on the right that are scared of that. Not going to happen. It's not. Donald Trump isn't a fascist dictator. Not happening. But it's really cool for you to sit over on your side, whichever side that is, and tweet about it and cry about it and yell about it and blah, 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 and play victim while you're just being a giant pussy. It's the safest thing you can do. It's hard to be out here in the middle. You know how hard it is to grow an audience with politically homeless? I get censored every five fucking seconds. I actually have to be challenged and challenge other people. I invite people into the Patreon to challenge me and challenge each other. That's not fun. It takes a little bit. It takes. I mean, it's fun for me. It's fun for some people. But it's like, generally speaking, not the fun thing to do. But... At least I can say the people that are down to do that aren't pussies. But when I look at people like, I don't know, let's just say Charlie Kirk, right? Uh, what's that guy's name from the Lions? Not Sheep Guy, Sean. That guy, we can go on the left. We can look at like the, the guy that tried to make the pillow, David Hogg. Um, who else is over there? Jink Uger. Pussies. All of them. Because they play it safe. They play it safe for all they really have to do is cry. That's all they're required to do is cry and you grow an audience. Here's an audience, you crybaby bitch. Here, I'm actually a pussy too. I'm going to follow you on Twitter. Your posts make me feel good about myself. I think that that's, I want to stand against injustice from Hillary Clinton. I want to fight Trump's fascism. Grow the fuck up. The extreme ends are for pussies exclusively. There's something to think about. Guys, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Sorry if I used the P word too much, but 
we got to do what we can do. You know? I'm going to try and tone it down a little bit, but not too much. You tell I've been trying. Let's see if it works. Eight days nicotine free, baby. Eight full days nicotine free. <sighs> Feels good to be back. You guys keep your head on straight. I'll see you later. Love ya. Bye-bye.